Today's episode of Bears Beats Bailey with Matthew Bailey is brought to you by Island Bear Chill and Grill. Established 2015, this place is right on the IMAX. Go for a few beers before or after the film, before if you think the film is going to suck and you need to take the edge off, or after if it did suck and you need to drown yourselves. That's how I do it. Or you could celebrate if the movie was awesome, or just go for a lime in general. It's got a great selection of beers to choose from, with excellent ambiance and a great menu if you want something to eat as well. That's Island Beer Chill and Grill, where you can chill and grill. In this episode, we'll be dealing with three films. That's Dennis Veneliu's Sicario, The Walk, and we'll be talking about Ridley Scott's The Martian. As you can tell, we are sounding like our mics aren't so good because we are calling each other from Skype. Uh, but you can't tell what, yeah, we can't tell what the delay is exactly. I'm not sure, but we'll work with it. It seems to be relatively quick because Matthew and I, in actual location from each other, aren't that far from each other. But the weather uh, has dispermitted us from from meeting in person. Right, yeah, we could have done it, but it's quite possible we've gotten soaked. Um, the rain has been. Whole day today. This is uh, Sunday, the what, the October or the eleventh? October eleventh, yeah. Yeah, the time I recorded. So yeah, if you remember that day, that was pretty rainy. Um, I suppose we could have fight up and meet together, but it was kind of tough. Um, yeah, and I mean, I mean, it's it's well, no mine is two and a half months until the end of of twenty fifteen. But we yeah. are still in twenty fifteen, and you know we have to utilize what resources we have. You know, it's not like right. oh, we have to meet up every single time. You know. To, to talk about films and whatnot, which is which is which is always a good idea, but in this case with the weather, which I call Christmas weather, you know, the sort of sun and rain dynamic, uh, it really didn't make any sense for us to try to go through the rain just to talk about films and whatnot. So we're doing this Skype thing for the same ever on uh, BS Beats and Bailey, mm-hmm. and from what we're hearing right now, it's been working pretty good. So yeah. we become a, a, a common or regular staple of our, our series. Right, yeah, we'll try, we'll make the effort to see what, um, tech, I'll, I'll sit down and tech, tech my way to get the most efficient approach to this, um, mostly, yeah, to, mostly, yeah, mostly with, with mics and computers and whatnot, uh, right now we just, I just use a crappy laptop mic, more laptop, um, and, anyway, it doesn't really matter, we'll, we'll you'll get the episode either way, um, yeah, yeah, so, I mean, it's been a month or so since we had our last, um, podcast, right. I mean, a lot of things came up, you know, life, yeah, well, stuff, <laughs> The thing is, life kind of got into the way, so, but mostly just me just building infrastructure for my next uh, project slash projects, um, but that's mostly on the down low. We'll talk about that later. Well, well in my case, um, you know, TNT Film Festival came and went. Um, 
started like the last couple of weeks, I think, before the end of um, September. So, right. you know, it's just been a sort of up and down, sort of hustle bustle, trying right. to catch up on shows, you know, and whatnot. But, you know, that's over. So now we're into the whole, I don't want to call it Oscar bait season, but more or less the precursor to the Oscar season. Right. So, you know, right. a lot of great new movies coming out. Right. Lots um, of hits and a few yeah, pieces yeah. here. You start to see some, because I just want to just talk about that. Uh... Just, just a Oscar bait season. B television start start back a lot of great yes, shows yes, back. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, in the case of Oscar bait season, though, I I would like to have a couple of movies I'm kind of excited about. Um, is a movie called Trombo uh, coming out next month, I believe. Yeah, I, I saw that. I saw the trailer and post of it. Yeah, uh, Brian Cranston. Um, Breaking Bad theme, you know. Yeah, yeah, but he, yeah. serial is this, this kind of Hollywood being heroes kind of rebel circle jerky kind of thing. And then the Coen Brothers is also doing a movie about movies next year. I believe that's coming out. Yeah, February, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, Caesar, that looks pretty good as well. Yeah, yeah. Is, that, is that trend? Is a trend in film I actually would encourage, and I would like to see more of personally. Um, that that whole you know Hollywood about Hollywood, but serious uh, that you could take seriously, and even though it's circle jerky, it still have a good a good compelling story. Yeah. Um, with it. Um, but, but I think I, you haven't seen movies like that in a good while, though. I in mean, a while, yeah. Yeah. I, I was actually quite quite um. That's quite refreshed to see that. Mostly because the both in both movies there's a lot of great stars, great faces. Um Of course, yeah. Right. Um, you know, Brian Cranston for one for Trombo, yeah. um Scarlett Johansson and um I believe uh John Cusack's if I'm not mistaken, is in the Coen Brothers film or am I taking it? I think so, I can't remember. But um, yeah. this guy I remember I just watched the trailer like a, once or twice. Mm-hmm. Um another thing too is is Louis C. K. one of my favorite comedians right now. Right. He, he's in Trombo. So it is interesting to see. Uh, hopefully it's just good dialogue and uh, good material. The last movie he was in was um gosh, this movie with Brandy Cooper and um, which I hated. Um it wasn't that David a Russell film, right? Yes, okay. yes. And I, I I couldn't I couldn't stand it. Barely stomach it, frankly. Because it was just so ripping off Goodfellas, that was my problem with it. Oh, you're talking about um not no not yes, American it, Hustle. Yeah, David Russell film. American Hustle, you're talking about? American Hustle, yes, yeah. Louis C.K. was in American Hustle. Yeah, yeah, he had a little piece in it. It was, it was, it was actually quite funny, only because of his cameo and how, how ridiculously silly he is. Okay, I didn't even know he was in that movie. To be honest, my goodness. Yeah, yeah, if I remember correctly, he was in that. Uh, if I, if you check back, I mean, I, I think my memory served me well. Yeah. So. Don't take a failure yet. <laughs> nah, nah. It, but um, he. He was in that, and he was. I thought he was quite funny, and and thought that he had a nice little cameo, a little sequence in it. That I thought was hilarious. Um, yeah, I think he had this. Um, what was we talking about? Ice fishing or something like that? Because the, the whole point of the character is that he's right, he's the good guy, and but he's the kind of the, the lovable loser in a sense. And he, he's ultimately he ultimately the, the, the bad guy gets his comeuppance, and he gets his, his little justice in the story. If you remember the story, was about right, right. Him. Well, I actually remember the ice fishing um, dialogue right. scene. I remember that now. Yeah. Right, but well, that, that was his character. Okay. Didn't so, know that, but, yeah. Uh, uh, anyway, the, the Trombo looks pretty good. I, he looks to be playing a character that's interesting in that way. Uh, it'll be it'll be interesting to see how that film plays out. Um, a lot of great TV came back. One of my favorite television shows, uh, The Flash, came back. Yes, yes, uh, it did. One of my favorite TV shows of. Uh, yeah, I, I, well. I thought The Flash was fantastic last um, last season. Um, yeah. It did it did a fantastic job of doing great uh, Silver Age, you know, comic book silliness. And it took it. It didn't take itself seriously, but it oh. took material seriously. you know. Yeah, and and it didn't have to water dilute itself to to please yeah. the, the, the the people who never read the books or. Yeah, What's the original 
Flash yeah. series or whatnot, you know, it catered to everybody more or less. Yeah, that's what uh, that's the thing with it. Again, it, it took the you know the old joke from um, I forget his name, the guy who, the guy who directed the first Superman film. Uh, Richard Donner. Donner, yeah, Donner. Yeah. Made the, he, had a, he had a classic attitude about comic books. You know, you take don't take yourself too seriously, but take the material seriously. Ah, okay. And that's why that's why that Flash was so successful because it's it's very earnest. It's on its sleeve and it does a, a good good job with the material. And yeah. I I totally embrace it. Way better than than Gotham in my opinion. Yeah, well, well, well I, I would say Gotham for what it tries to be. Yeah, it, I, it's, it's a good experiment, but um, it's one that I won't say it takes itself too seriously. A lot of times it does, but it it oh. it kind of it, it's kind of like okay, half in good taste, half in bad taste. You know, it's all right. like you know that kind of oh, we're okay. gonna have this sort of scandal empire ish kind of stuff. Or we're gonna try to keep it really dark and brooding to to please right. Batman fans. You know. That's the problem is that Gotham, the problem with Gotham is that structurally it makes very little sense, especially if you're a fan of Batman. Um, I heard this season they're doing quarter walls, which is much smarter and much more intelligent and a better plotline to work with, but the first season, not very little of it made sense. Um, yeah, it was all over the place. They had different story and arcs. And, when, especially yeah. when the fact that, um, you know, the whole point about what makes Batman and his villains interesting is the fact that he created those guys. So to see precursors of them and trying to make an interesting story about them before they were villains is kind of silly. It, it even for Batman, yeah. um, just don't work for me at all. So I just couldn't get into Gotham. I watched a couple episodes. They did a thing with this character called Jerome that's supposed to be Joker, and I was like, all right, it's not working at all. I'm sorry. Yeah, that, could... that just came and went for me. Just... I know, I know, I know. There are fans of of Gotham. I know there are people who are into Gotham. I just not into it. Um, another... it's, it's, it's a show that I could stomach. I can watch it. Every right. once in a while, but it's not sure that I would binge. It's not sure that I would watch yeah, religiously I every single week. You know, I, I take my time with it. You know, right. Um, also, Arrow. I think Arrow's coming back this week, or it came back last week. Can't remember. I think it came uh, back. Not sure either. I, right. Yeah. Again, Arrow's another show that takes itself a little too seriously. And again, <laughs> it does. Yeah. One of the problems with Arrow is that Green Arrow is a boring character. Sorry, um, he's a character I couldn't. I never got got into. Um, you could make him interesting, but he's one of those characters that only work in a vacuum. I was only interested in Arrow. Before Flash was announced, I was like, oh, wait, I could watch Flash instead of Arrow? Well, I'm not going to watch Arrow. That's the whole thing. I just couldn't get into Arrow as a character. Um, he's basically liberal Batman. <laughs> yeah. That's what he is. What about a bow and Arrow? Yeah, that's what he's, but he's, no, but the, the Arrows operate like a utility belt now. It's that, oh, it has an Arrow for every scenario. And then, they, again, they force, they put it in Rachel Ghul in the series. I was like, yeah, but Rachel Ghul with, with Arrow don't make any sense at all. At, yeah. Whatever. Whatever. I, I don't know. I I, I, I want to get into it as well too. But I mean, I enjoy Flash so much, and I, I love the crossover that they had with right. Flash and, and Green Arrow, and that really motivated me to watch the series. But yeah. I was like, all right, kind of like three seasons in. I think this is the fourth one about to start, and I'm like, all right, I have to sit through three seasons. Each one is like about 24 episodes each, right? And still have time to watch the Flash. You know, it's like I don't know. It's just Time management, I guess. I don't I, I, I mean, problem again because I, I spent I the problem is my, my life, you know. I spend so much time writing, I spend so much time just general business shenanigans, and I still, you know, finishing off a couple of things in, in UE. So mm. I just do it. I have to, yeah, I have to really pick my television now. Yeah, um, I agree. But I still, I still find time to catch into some TV shows. Um, um, well, another TV show, well, I, I want to mention that um, actually just ended last week, Sunday, right. was a uh, Fear the Walking Dead. Ah, yeah. From EMC, it's a right. prequel of sorts to right. the to the hit TV series Walking Dead. 
Right. Which, for those who've been living under a rock for the past 10 years, is about the aftermath it's of, a, of a zombie apocalypse. So yeah. you have these group of survivors really going from place to place and just having to deal with zombies and having to deal with their own mortality and just having yeah. to deal with, you know, being able to trust the other person and whatnot, you know? Right. And for five seasons, it's been very strong. A couple of hit or miss episodes here and there, but really strong all through the board. But um, Fairly Walking Dead, just in a nutshell, because I don't want to ramble on too much about it, yeah. is good for what it is. Like, how I see it is like this. Like, if Walking Dead is a... A, a, a view of how uh, post-apocalyptic look at the zombie apocalypse. This right. one is more of a contemporary, real-time, realistic version of how it'd be. So right. in this case, we see the beginnings of the virus about um, spreading throughout uh, Los Angeles. Right. And we're seeing just how people react to the situation, how the military gets involved and how the military is entrusted, you know, the secrets they keep behind and whatnot. But the right. problem with the show is that... Um, there are characters that you kind of care about then there's others you really don't give a crap about and then the right. tone itself, the pacing is rather slow, okay. especially in the first couple of episodes um, and I don't know it's just, it feels sometimes like you see more same, right. yeah like you're, you're seeing this zombie attack here and there and then um, like one thing that, that would kind of stick out like a sore thumb is that because these characters don't know what the zombie thing is, yeah. they don't react to the situation the way how the characters in Walking Dead will. Okay. In other words, like, you know, a zombie comes into somebody in Walking Dead, they rush in and they stab them. In this case, they kind of beg and plead, you know, it's like, what's going on? What are you doing? Because yeah. they don't know what's happening, you know, and we know who have sat through five seasons of Walking Dead yeah, and thinking this is really stupid, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it comes off really stupid, well, unintentionally, I guess, you know? Okay. But still, and, and, well, just on a scale of one to five, in terms of stars, I would give it like a three. It's eight. Um, if you're a fan of it, check it out. There's only six episodes, so you know it wouldn't hurt you if you just binge them out. But okay. if you're not a fan, then you know I, I would I would highly recommend wait till season two comes out, see how it builds up from there, and you know you could follow up from there. Right. Um, yeah, I I didn't find the time to find to watch the show. I couldn't get into it, frankly. Um, mostly because I was like, yeah, I why would I spend time on the prequel to Walking Dead? And the whole point of Walking Dead was Rick and his crew. And to see a prequel origin story from another perspective didn't really work for me. But I, I, it was one of those shows I was just going to pick up and run through since, since it was only like six episodes, much like Peggy Carter or something like that. Oh, yeah, Agent Carter. Yeah. Right. Yeah, which was which was eyes as well too. But. Right, exactly. Yeah, it was. It yeah. had it was okay. It had some interesting things. Um, but yeah, and I give it a chance. And, yeah, I thought, and, and a nice little feminist view on the whole Marvel yeah, yeah. superhero thing. That was cool. But yeah, story was just didn't do anything for me. Just didn't but they had a couple things that they, the end of it I thought was kind of interesting because it basically clarified that there's a real um in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Um, and I know they had a, a little short movie with respect to that verifying its existence. So there is, it's not like just a fake Mandarin and it's a total fabrication. There is a real Mandarin apparently in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. So that was, that was a big interesting thing to me for the uh, for Agent Carter. Okay. Uh, just quick jumping off for that. Uh, uh-huh. Other TV shows, I think Agent of S.H.I.E.L.D. comes across just to jump off from the MCU. Agent S.H.I.E.L.D. came back. Pretty yeah. I, 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 that's another show that... Season one was very slow, but season two picked up, and mostly because they started doing an Inhumans story arc, which was pretty good. Yes, yes, yes. And then and it's still managed to tie it into Age of Ultron. Yeah, and Quite it did a And uh, the sad, the sad part is that it, because Age of Ultron was was such a letdown, um, the it it just kind of didn't have a good enough payoff, in my opinion. 
because H.L. John should have had the agents of Shield characters in it, in my opinion. That yeah, or, or, or at least yeah. Agent Coulson, at least he could have yeah, made an appearance. Not, but it's it, like, just not enough effort was made with H.L. John. They could have really like, do a good job of tying everything together and making everything interesting and make it work, and it doesn't do that. Yeah, and it, would have made, it would have made more people watch the series. Yeah, find, like, you know? Make make an effort and, and have something like the whole the whole thing with like to me that that could have been an arc where you know you do, remember they was talking about the secret project in, in um which which you reference it which was basically the the Hella Carrion that showed yeah. up Jaldron and they should have had the the, the the cast there just have a couple characters just me and and Coulson and maybe Sky that is it that is a tree they just showing up you, the, the the Avengers don't actually see them at all just they just show up they just was on board and it's like well thanks thanks for the heads up kind of thing now. Mm-hmm. Um, and he, you know, Coulson talks to Nick Fury. You have a little two lines, and that is it. Yeah, that's all. Time. You know, and that is it. You don't do that. They don't do that. Um, anyway, it comes back at, at the two time of record, and I uh, saw two episodes so far. It was pretty well done. Um, it really, really builds up the universe. And yeah, if you're into Agents of Shield, there's no reason to drop it at all. It's still very, very good um, for me, at least as a fan. Um, just to jump off a quick little side note. Now, we I just want to talk about. Uh, a new show on HBO that was interesting from last year that was uh, The Leftovers that came in uh, watching that right now very very strong season premiere um, for season 2 if anybody knows what The Leftovers is about it's very similar to Lost The Leftovers came back for season 2 so there's a show that if as I said if I was not familiar with Lost and how the ending of Lost turned out I would have been very, like, you know, screaming the praises of the show. But, you know, I kind of get that kind of Pavlovian burn, knowing full well that, um, you know, it could turn out like, to be a colossal waste of time, like, in my opinion, what Lost was. Um, it's the same writer, um, Damon Lindelof, and that is the problem right there. The show is very good, but it has all the exact same beats of Lost. So if you hated Lost and hated the end of Lost, skip this show. But I'm still watching it. it. It does a very good job of merging science and religion and that whole aesthetic of religion really really well it's very exceptionally well shot and that first season the season two premiere is brilliant very well done good some symbolism great just great dialogue great acting you know it is no when to get dark when it's ready and it's i totally recommend that show right. um i don't well, let's, let's, let's cut it for a sec um as i brought up that whole thing we just said about not wanting to give up on that show just yet um, it reminds me of a show that um, that actually started in Fox, on Fox, sorry, uh, a few weeks ago, by the name of Minority Reports. Oh yeah, yeah. And yeah. I've been, I've been like, I wasn't hyped to see it, but I was curious because, like, how do you take one mm-hmm. of Spielberg's great modern um, films and uh, really thought-provoking sci-fi and right. turn it into a, a weekly TV series? Right. And I mean, I've been seeing. Reviews on Rotten Tomatoes, I think right now it's at the twenty percent, which I was like shocked. I was like, wow. I mean, the show isn't terrible, and and yes, it it kind of dumbs down the whole the, the science and what made it effective in the original film. But for what it is, it's I would say it's entertaining. Okay. And Megan Good's in it, so hey, whatever. Right. But still, like I know diehard fans who might be will be like, "Oh, this is dumb. This is stupid." You yeah. might look at it and think, "This is dumb. This is stupid. This doesn't make any right. sense." Blah blah, you know. But I, I'm one of the people that I'm kind of thinking that maybe with the next three episodes it might pick back up. It might actually become better. But if it doesn't, then you know, once the season done or maybe halfway into, it, I might just give up, you know, and just rent out. Right. I um, 
I was not a big lover of the original movie. I liked it, didn't love it. It was okay, but it just yeah, I found the ending kind of weak and just kind of pitted out for me. Um, it was not exciting. And, you know, the, you kind of predicted it. Every time you see these quote-unquote perfect system kind of things, um, you always know, well, it's somebody exploiting some flaw in the perfect system, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that, I, it just went into that perfectly. Um, similar to something like Psychopath, or, you know, you see many other sci-fis like that. This yes. utopia technology kind of thing, you know. Yeah. Uh, you see that a lot. Um, what else? What else? What else? Oh, um, slightly, something slightly interesting happened to me uh, just yesterday, actually. What uh, happened, man? Right. So what happened is that Top 10 Memes, one of my favorite YouTube channels, is a guy on, on YouTube. He just does, like, Top 10 Facts about something. Right, anyway, Top 10 Memes does, they just, just, he does, like, general science facts. He just, just does um, top history facts. And then he does Top 10 Facts about TV shows. Okay. So his latest episode... Um, on Rick and Morty, which is easily one of my favorite shows for the last couple of years. But what happened is that he did a he did a bunch of facts about the show. Just like little behind the scenes stuff, because that's what he, do, he does. He does all these like the original show stuff about the show. And then he referenced something about the show. And then it was he said this thing was verified by his Twitter account. And then the screenshot he showed was my name on the Twitter account because it was a question to is a question solving one of the biggest mysteries in an episode called Total Recall. Um, this was season two, episode four, about the basically the memories and whether or not you should trust these fake characters showing up. In oh the yes, show. yes, yes, I remember and that. Yeah, easily one of the most brilliant episodes of the series. Anyway, I just get a quick shout out to like, hey, I made a cameo on the internet, so I'm famous. <laughs> Weird, uh, nice. So it was at Armedi, which you could contact on Twitter. Also, you could contact me on Facebook, uh, Ricardo Medina on Facebook. Um, Matthew, also, do you want to uh, just give your contacts quick before we continue with our reviews? Well, as you suddenly just brought it up, I don't see why not. Um, nice segue there. Yeah, very <laughs> nice. Very unexpected, too. Yeah. No, my, right. my Twitter handle now has internet fame for two seconds. Yeah, yeah. two seconds of fame there. Yeah. Haha. Right. Um, you could uh, just search for Legally Black MGB mm-hmm. on Twitter. I'm there. Yeah. Um, also, if you're um, on Facebook, you could type in Machi Bailey. Or you could type in a Legally Black blog official fan page to see... Um, the link to this podcast here that we're doing right now, to the others that we did before, mm-hmm. and also my written reviews as well, too, I've done over the past few years. Yeah. Um, so, just a little... Right, back to segue now. Yeah, yeah back to back into... Wait, well, the, the thing is, I saw... We saw three films. Well, I saw three films for the last week. Uh, we were supposed to do this last week, but you didn't get a chance. So I, yeah, and last, I saw one of these films. Right, last week I saw... Well, the three films we're going to be doing, I'll be doing reviewing of two, and then we'll together we'll do a review. I saw Sicario last week, mm-hmm. also with The Martian. And then yesterday, I think, yeah, I saw um, The Walk. So what I'll be doing is we'll do, I'll be doing a review of Sicario and The Walk, and then Matthew, you saw The Martian yesterday. That yes, was recorded. Yes. Mm-hmm. Right, yeah. So... Uh, yeah, I just just I just, I just want to cover off uh, Sicario in particular. Basically, for Sicario to run through it, quick quick um, you know selling point for Sicario, it's basically True Detective season two point five. Oh really? Right. That's how I I will quickly describe it. It was. But in a good way, right? Yeah, yeah, no, totally in a good way. Um, I. Even though I, I um, season two of True Detective wasn't, and we, we did our review about it, even though we do, I don't think it was as good as um, season one. It was, it was, it was more mature in certain ways, and it was better in certain ways. I'll argue. Um, it was more quote unquote 
realistic. Um, it had that kind of just unfinished nature about it, the banality of evil way about it. You know, it felt like a kind of Orson Welles, Orson Welles kind of neo-noir type of film where there are no clear good guys or bad guys like how season one had it. Yes, it's, 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 all, it's all great. Yeah, it's great. And it just kind of felt unfinished, but, you know, the good guys still have a chance to kind of thing. And that's what Sicario was. Sicario was, it had two main storylines kind of intertwined into each other. Mm-hmm. Um, you kind of pick up what the story is, and it was pretty dark and grimy. God damn, this movie was grimy. Yeah, I've I've heard that. Right reviews. Kind of, yeah. It only had like one good character in the storyline. That was uh, what's her name? Emily Blunt. Yeah, Blunt the character. I forget the character's name. She, um, was kind of the the inside the outsider from the whole storyline. Uh, Josh Brolin's character kind of recruits her because she is trying to stop kind of the drug cartels, you know, inside the United States. And she, what she realizes that she just kind of not really doing anything much. And mm-hmm. un- unfortunately, you realize how deep the rabbit hole goes with respect to the drug cartels and how serious it is. Right. And she gets pulled into this whole web of this web plan, um, kind of mastermind by Josh Brolin's character and, um, gosh, what's his name? Del Toro's character, right? Del Toro's character played by he plays a character called Alejandro. And basically, it's just her going down this this rabbit hole, essentially, of figuring out what the hell going on. And she, I'll say with her character, she was a bit weak-willed, uh, but it worked for the story. And so they used her to solve a bunch of other problems and to, to basically find this drug lord and deal with him. And if you, fi- if you see what the plan is, what the ultimate plan is of the A. Josh Brolin's character and then Alejandro, this is Vinicius Del Toro's character, you totally understand why they operate like that. And it gets into that morality of... Um, well, say what the morality tale is here, the idea of the necessary evil, mm-hmm. that concept, you know, you know, if I don't know if, it, if, if this is a spoiler, but but think, think of a lot of people why it is that Saddam Hussein shouldn't have been overthrown, even though Saddam Hussein was bad, he's not as bad as what will happen if he's removed. Ah. it's that. So when you when you see what they do with it, it's very very clever, and I actually really like that. It, it totally makes sense of this is how the United States operates, this is how the United States law enforcement operates, and it makes perfect sense. Um, you see how many real world scenarios um, in the case of the Mexican drug crisis and and that whole drug war, the, the inordinate amounts of violence goes on would have been dropped off if they do this thing. Mm-hmm. Um, probably another example is the the current example in the news is probably the, the violence in Chicago. Um, all the gangs they had a bunch of you know this structure with the gangs and then you know when this this thing happened um basically it had a, a massive spike in violence and the same goes with something like iraq so basically it was just wrong people killing each other and this is how we're going to solve it um right. minimize the violence and they do a good job with it the big shining point of this film for me was of course roger deacons and his yes 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 I cinematography know. legend i know yeah because roger deacons is one of the few cinematographers that people who are not film people could go off the top of their head and say hey this is a roger deacon's film it's, it's almost like a kind of like what otter is for director you you sell yeah. the film on his cinematography only and my gosh in this film it shined um the the film i mean it had a couple shots in particular you know that use unnatural lighting it had this one shot in particular that just looked like a map painting this is when it was supposed to go into like a a, a tunnel Mm-hmm. Right for these soldiers going to a tunnel, you see it, and it's like against a sunset. My gosh, beautiful shot, really, really well done. They had another shot like inside the tunnel, and then using the nightlight, kind of like the moonlight from outside the tunnel, 
to, to uh-huh. illustrate like a silhouette of a knife. And I was like, really damn good shot though. Yeah, so Roger Deacons, like for me, even even as a film person like myself, I um you know, I I can't I can't really, you know, tell off the top of my head, you know, a cinematographer. I only like only two or three cinematographers off the top of my head I could call. And right now my brain is working, so it's only really Roger Deacons and Wally Feinstein. I could say it's like, well, the great, you know, cinematographers of all time who make stuff look amazing with coloring and whatever it is. And yeah, yeah. this this film really shined. The man was on top of his game for this one. Um and then, well, the director himself, um, Villeneuve is his name, I believe. Yeah, he's a guy who did um, Prisoners, which was Prisoners, one of the yeah. movies. Uh, he did, I think did Prisoners, 20... and then he did a film, yeah. um, Enemy. Which, yes, which I which is unfortunately film, missed out. No, it's a film I liked, um, but it's one of those, you know, I really hate, hate discussing films like this because it was so free association, uh, the way it was done and shot and, and told, that it's one of those, you know, you'll be arguing over wine with some douchebag in a club somewhere. Uh, about what it means and what it signifies. Yeah, you know, the film and, you know, it'll just be two a-holes. You know, it's, it's that kind of conversation. The way the film is structured, <laughs> you know, it's two a-holes trying to one-up each other of how much film knowledge and, and interpretation they could do with the film, this kind of postmodern nonsense. And the film kind of fed into that a lot. That's why I didn't like, like, like that film so much. But I, I still think it was an excellent shot film. It had a good, good, good workable story. If at least we accept particular narratives of what was going on. Right. Um, and then to hear these these two men are working on the Blade Runner um, upcoming film. Um, yes, yes. I wow, I I totally excited for this now because I hope they write a good story. I mean, Blade Runner. When I heard Blade Runner was making a comeback, I was like, yeah, everybody, anybody involved in that going to be an idiot and effort up. But with those two guys, they're incredibly competent. But then mm-hmm. Hollywood has a way of making competent people do crap. So we'll see. Uh, yeah. Anyway, with the, with the film though, I what I'll say, I'll give this a. a Pretty, uh, you know, uh, probably a high IMAX if anything. It was just so well done. You mean off of visuals alone, right? No, that's the, the whole film. It is just so compl- competently done. And again, much like with True Detective, it doesn't bring anything new to the table narrative-wise. But um, it's just so well done. So I'll give this a very, very high score. As I say, I'll give it a high IMAX, high, high IMAX if anything. Totally, totally worth your money if you haven't seen it yet. Um, Sicario is very, very good. Uh, would, you, would you put it like a, like a year's best? Like, if you were to compile a list right now... I haven't seen... um, It is on my top ten list so far for the year, but Mm -hmm. I haven't seen anything for the year, but we're kind of coming down to the period where that would mean something, where, you know, best of the year means something. So, yeah, yeah, it is in my top ten ten so far. I have a list of our top ten building up, and we'll talk about, like, Mustang, Marant, you know, how about operator top tens, uh, Mm -hmm. films anyway. So, yeah, I totally recommend Sekari. It was excellent. I really enjoyed it. One of the... It was just... How grimy, how brutal it is! It was just, it was just um, a great, no holds barred kind of story. Yeah, great ending, right. great morality tale about how to live in reality, especially dealing with, with drug violence um, and that whole, you know, culture of violence in the world, with, especially with, with involving the United States and the federal government and that whole that whole shtick. Yeah, we've right. seen this story many times before, but this one again, I, I like, I like, uh, you know, when you just tell a good story and it, you just make a good film. Song design, acting, everything was pretty much on point for me. Uh, that great, I think John Bernthal had a great sequence. He's an actor, like he's played Shane in Walking Dead. Um, mm-hmm. He was in the film, that, and he had a pretty good sequence. Um, yeah, I, I totally recommend this film to anyone seeing it. Um, so jumping with the with the uh, opposite tone now, totally contrast contrast tone. I also saw yesterday in IMAX. I went to see Walk. This is right, the Walk. Uh, yeah, the Walk. This is uh, Robert Robert Zemeckis. Zemeckis. Yeah. Film, yeah. 
he gave us a, you know, he gives some true classics in film, um, Forrest Gump. Um, he is the husband, in my opinion. Uh, Back to the Future as well, too. Hello. What's <laughs> that? I said the Back to the Future trilogy. Hello. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, he's he's Mr. Hollywood. He gives us brilliant, brilliant stuff. But I'll say this film, a um, little bit of a letdown. Um, I kind of understood oh, yeah. why creatively you went in the direction it is because it really felt like a Disney episode, like a Disney cartoon. A live action Disney, one of those live action Disney films, um, or like maybe a Pixar film, if anything. It, in terms of tone, in terms of the narration, um, it was very upbeat and optimistic. Um, uh, but the, the big selling point of it was the whole 3D, and then just seeing the Twin Towers in, in its full glory with the height and watching it in 3D, it was really ridiculous. It had one moment where I actually had to dodge. <laughs> Stop, <laughs> to me. This was where he. Like he dropped a stick, so the stick fell towards the camera, and I, my, I had my head move. That was probably the best 3D moment it had. It had me, it had, it, it made me jump actually. Um, um but but just 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 to stop it here for a sec. I wonder if maybe it came out like at the wrong time. Maybe it should have came out um, during Christmas. No, the way that upbeat kind of feel. That's the problem with the film. It was I I, I think the release it was politically motivated because it came out roughly around September 11. Um, yeah. Which towers themselves and homage of that. Um, it is. It is. The story is about a uh, famous, famous uh, trapeze um, performer. Um, he's also a, uh, just a general street performer, a fellow called Philip Petit. Uh, yeah. The film is based. It, the story has been told before in documentary form. It's probably one of the best documentaries ever. A film called Man on Wire. Yeah, seen it. Love it as well too. Fantastic documentary, and totally recommend that. Um, and it, it told this guy's story. And the style of it. Now, this film was very romanticized. Again, it's like a Disney film. And I'll say, the, why I, I get why they did what they did. Because knowing what we know about the history of those towers and what happens to them eventually, um, you can tell it's more an homage to the, to the towers themselves rather than Philip Petit. It is about Petit's story. But it's him, his optimism and his worldview lending a kind of spirit to the towers themselves. So, I, mm. I mean, I... I I have to do some history work, but I really was, I, I was trying to think of what really, how he felt when the, when the terrorist attacks happened to the top. And just that aspect of the, the, you know, that level of what those towers meant to people, even though, you know, at the time it was, at the time, it was roughly 14 years ago, um, how people felt about that, how it changed American, the American landscape, how it changed the American political landscape. Um, and it was a film that just did the whole idea of optimism. You know, right. yes, life goes, yeah, life is tough, life is so and so, but it's the idea of just looking forward, not taking no for an answer, making, just getting it done, and all the bad things that could go wrong, but at the same time, you have a good optimistic approach to it. And I, I thought the film was nice in that way. However, the film had so many dumb editing and, and technical moments, and that just kind of took me out of it. It had a lot of really bad CG in it. Um, wait, wait, wait. Bad CG. Yeah, yeah. Like you could from a, a Robert Zemeckis. It was it was, <laughs> it was notably bad CG. I, I was like it had a couple scenes when you when you like when you zoom out and you see like um what's his name? Joseph Gordon Levitt's um car, like character walking the wire and these kind of things from a distance. It's like yeah, that looking kind of terrible. It, because especially in IMAX to see it in that high quality, it's notable. You see mm-hmm. it. It's pretty obvious what they're doing there. Um, couple, but it was and it because only because of the height. And the depth aspect with respect to the IBAC technology, um, that's the only reason I was into it. But if I was just watching this on like a normal screen, I'd have probably hate this movie. It was just totally that selling point from the technology standpoint. You really got a sense of depth and distance with the, with the towers and height. 
And if, right. if you are, if you you have um, go to go or anything like that, do not go see this movie because wow, it really got you. You know, they really did a good job with that that stuff. Again, the tone of the film was very upbeat. It really felt like a, like watching a Disney film. How the characters are introduced, how the characters talk to each other, speak to each other. Um, Philip Pretty character is pretty much narrating the entire film, um, which kind of kind of worked. Um, it was really silly in the sense that his his French accent was ridiculous. So he was really sounding like an inspector. So, uh, oh, God. Um, what's his name? Pepe Le Pew type French stereotype now. Right, right, something right. ridiculous in that way, but again, because of the, the cartoony, you know, silly nature of everything, it, it, it just it just fit. It fit, yeah. And so, uh, do I do I recommend this film? I'm not sure. Uh, uh, well, what about in terms of like just like the spectacle? Like, yeah, just that's the thing. That's seeing it, yeah. the film is that it's one of those that you know I don't want you to spend too much money to go to your IMAX, but the thing is, it only looks good in IMAX. That's kind of the problem. It's kind of like Interstellar in that way, you know. You kind of need to see it in this thing to enjoy it the full way. But I don't see how you could enjoy this without... Personally, I, that's my, just my personal opinion. Um, personally, I can't see how you enjoy this without that great spectacle aspect of it. Um, I do recommend it. Um, it is, if, if actually, especially for those who were familiar with the material, familiar with that, that man's story, and that's how hopeful everything is. It's one of those hopeful films that right. does a good job with... That it's hope is just one aspect of it, but you need to have a good sense of a plan and technical competence and... Just that whole aspect of, you know, you have hope, but hope is still just one aspect of the whole thing. You still can't just jump into it blind like an idiot. Right. And, and that's how it pulled off. And it, but, but, but I have a question though. It doesn't beat you over the head with, it, with the optimism. And a little bit, but, but a little bit it does. But that's because that's the nature of, of Philip Petit's personality, or at least how Joseph Gordon-Levitt's character portrays him. Uh, mm. But it didn't feel, it was very saccharine. But it because of the, because of the dark side of, of um, September 11 attacks and how that that period of American history was. Um, I'll say it worked. It's one of those, you, you know, sometimes you need those kind of saccharine things. I'll say, if yeah. anything, the film shouldn't have come out now. It should have come out like a good five, six, seven years ago. I remember back then you had a bunch of 9 11 movies. Yes, 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 yes. Nicolas Cage had his thing. It had Flight 93, which I actually liked. Nicolas Cage film kind of sucked, but the Flight 93 one was, wasn't so bad. You mean um, yeah, United 93? Sorry, yeah, yeah, United Yeah, very, very controversial film, and if you know, that, just if this all that came out Then, it, it, it probably would have worked more for me. Um, and again, the technology felt like it came from back then. You know, you really, really saw the CG and then the thing. So I don't know, it, it really felt like one of those films that was in development hell for a little while. And then, yeah, I'll need to research and see if it was or not. You know? uh, yeah, it felt like that because I was like, this film should have come out some years ago. Why did it? Why didn't they capitalize on that trend then? Or I don't know. So I, I get the feeling that they, they just they try to do it and then it just take forever to and probably Joseph Gordon-Levitt couldn't do it or they couldn't get the actor they wanted or something like that. I get the feeling it was something some logistic nonsense like that that just held back the film. So the film felt a little dated in that way, you no. Know? Um, right. I don't know. I, I I do recommend the film. I give it a uh, if as just a quality film as it, I'll probably give it a low movie down. Um, but because of the na- nature of the tech, you can't help but watch it anyway. But IMAX. So if you're not going to see it IMAX, you probably shouldn't watch it at all. Um, if you enter just the just the homage of 9/11 and the homage of the Twin Towers, because the Twin Towers are is a character in the film pretty much. Right. The way how it is in terms of setting and and it was done during the building of the towers anyway. So. The, the aspect of the narrative worked, you know, they had this kind of heist film kind of thing working with it. You know? mm-hmm. um, it was, quote, they were the quote-unquote reverse heist film. That's what it felt like. Um, 
But yeah, I mean, if you like this whole positive outlook of the world, you know, don't give up, don't kind of, you know, it might be good for a kid in that way or teenagers, just kind of depressed, I suppose. Uh, the film works. Um, but yeah, that's just my opinion. It, 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 it was, for Zemeckis, it was a little, a little inferior. And I was um, slightly disappointed for him, especially as a director, for that. So that thing that's just my review of of um, the walk. Um, yeah. The poster is fantastic, by the way. If you understand. Yes, it is. It is. It has this kind of religious connotation, kind of thing. Playing these across, they doing they doing something with that. Uh, totally yeah. Totally clever. Um. Anyway, but speaking of technical optimism, we should go to our review. The Martian. Martian, yeah. Where you start, Matthew? What do you think about this one? All right. Well, before I get to to what I thought about the film, um. Just a brief little rundown about what The Martian is. Um, it's the latest film from veteran director uh, Ridley Scott. Ridley Scott directed uh, films such as Alien, first Alien, not the second yeah. one. The second one was done by uh, James Cameron. Um, he also did Blade Runner, which we mentioned earlier. Um, and through the years, he, he kept on making films in the 90s. He made Talman Louise, he made G.I. Jane. Um, in the early 2000s, he came back with Gladiator, great movie, nice. and then followed that right after with Black Hawk Down, which I which I love just as much as as um I'll as Gladiator. I'll tell you, Gladiator slightly overrated, but yeah. Yeah, it, it is. Like yeah. if you were to compare to to some like say a brief act, like brief that has more emotional meat to it, where brief um Gladiator is more like you know spectacle. Right. Yeah. yeah. Um. What else he did? He he did Kingdom of Heaven, very underrated film with uh, Orlando Bloom. But the thing is, he did direct a couple about, and I'm gonna get into that because. Yeah, please do. <laughs> right. Um, the underrated film by the director, Scott is what is real, the real shining book. I remember seeing that in theaters, and I was like, wow, this kind of sucked. And then people, after a while, it's like, oh no, go see the director, Scott. And I was like, wow, this is a totally different film, though. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, why, why, what happened with that whole theatrical cut? Anyway, but it's kind of the same thing with Blade Runner, too. So, yeah. yeah. And, um, well, getting into Blade Runner and, and Alien, um, oh yeah, he also did uh, Robin Hood. A more sort of darker version of it. Not like Kevin Costner, but with Russell Crowe. Which, which was the starting I went, That's the beginning of the end. Yeah, I, I didn't bother to watch it because to me, I, I, I felt like as a as a, as a fan more or less of Ridley Scott, because of what he did with uh, Gladiator, they always seem to sort of put him in these in this situation where you have to make these epic adventure films. So you have to do Gladiator, you have to do Robin Hood. Yeah. And then he followed that up, uh, well, not followed that up, but um, last year he did Exodus, Gods and Kings. No, it's more like him falling back at that scene. Skipping the big, the big, uh, yeah. You skipping the big one, which is Prometheus. Again, to that, again, to that, again. Yeah. yeah, but but he also did which I thought was like the merging, more or less the philosophical merging of um of Blade Runner and the first Alien film into some called Prometheus, yeah, which is a prequel too. of sorts again right. to um to Alien. Not many people like it. I know Ricardo he did the hell out of it, but I I um, I got. I sort of understood what he was trying to do with it. He's trying to delve deeper into the whole alien mythos, like where the, the xenomorph yep. creatures came from and all that stuff. Which is fine. But there was just so much things going on, like he was trying to be existential and trying to be like this sort of thriller and be this horror. And right. All these things, and it just just didn't work. It just tried to do too much in, in one film, you know? I, but I know you, Ricardo, you have your point of view of it, so... Right. No, here's yeah, the thing. I am so glad... Here's the thing. I am so glad to be going to a good Ridley Scott film for the first time in years. Uh, <laughs> yeah, Marshall is really my good. My gosh. 
the thing is, like, for me, Prometheus was such a disaster. And the thing with Prometheus is that it, it had such a great marketing campaign leading up to the film. Um, that's what I remember about it. It was just... Um, it had this really awesome viral marketing campaign. Then they had a major campaign going on. They had this really cool stuff with David. And then they had a lot of, a lot of hidden stuff going on. So I was like... This and the trailers were great, though. The trailers were... The trailers, were, were, everything yeah, about it, yeah, building up yeah. the film was brilliant. So I was like, whoa, this is, this, this is going to be a genius movie then. And this movie was such a colossal waste of my time. Um, I was so pissed off with the film. And then, um, with Exodus, Gods and Monsters, even though I don't... No, Gods and Kings, Gods and Kings, Gods not Christ. to be confused with Justice League, so, Gods and Monsters. Again, I, don't rem- I don't remember that movie because I was going to, I remember I was going to ask you and then I just, all, all I remember is that this movie is not Prince of Egypt. No. So that's, far, far, so that's why I'm not going to call it Exodus, Gods and Kings, I'm just going to call it not Prince of Egypt from here on in. <laughs> so, not Prince of Egypt was just a waste of time as well. Um, and it, well, the big here's the thing with the Martian. Really, Scott fixed two of his biggest compl- public com- complaints and critiques in one film. On oh, one sorry? end, he had good proper multicultural casting, and yes, he yes. had a good a good story and a good sci-fi to, told at the same time. Fixed, fixed in one movie. Yeah. Right. Um, just the. Gods and Kings were just forgettable. Um, sorry, not not Prince of Egypt. Colossal, forgettable film. And then the big complaint about it was it had no proper black casting and whatever it is. I frankly didn't have, really have an issue with that because I just don't understand why black people would want to be part of a mediocre film. Yeah, um, but 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 you have to argue that the casting choices were horrible, though. Right. Sigourney Weaver. Right. Yeah. Yeah. All right, but, but not John Turturro. But not... just a bunch of white people. Yeah. Blah blah. Yeah. Anyway, Marsh. Anyway. Deals with all of that. Um, by the way, Chiwetel Ejiofor character is basically a Dogla, which is amazing and awesome for me. Because um, his character was, was Kapoor, and I was like, what? Yeah, Kapoor, yeah. And he actually explains he actually, why his <laughs> name is Kapoor, and I was like, wait. That was... wait so basically, everybody in this movie is truly dead. I like, <laughs> like, the bad is a Dogla, this character black, this character white, it's just this, this great multiracial cast, and it wasn't... Un- yeah, and, and they had Asians as well, too. Yeah, yeah, it, was, well. it was unrealistic in the multiracial, it, was, it didn't feel like, well, it was, oh, well, it was just this liberal kind of multicast. Everything was, was plausible, it was uh, totally... Yeah, it, it didn't feel shoehorned at all. Yeah, it just worked. Um, I don't want to get into the Martian. I love this movie, personally. Um, it really, really worked in terms of all the beats... Um, in terms of again, much like with with um, with the, with the walk, it's a very optimistic movie. Um, yes, it they is. got into they got into the one thing I liked about it, which is, you know, when you're doing when you're doing films like this, especially with with um, with this character characters being stranded, um, usually you get into this kind of existential morass slash are we kind of thing, and you've seen that with with many films like Castaway, or yeah. Um, which Robert Zemeckis, I believe, directed as well, right? Right, yeah. Yeah, with Tom Hanks. Great yes. movie. Check it out. Yeah, so you get into this kind of character piece of what has happened to a person when they're alone kind of thing. And you get into a kind of are we, or the character kind of have a mental health kind of breakdown or some kind of character building thing with some kind of religious thing, kind of like gravity. Mm-hmm. Um, this didn't happen. Because I, to me, it was, yeah, the, it don't make any sense him being like that for me. Because if you, ha- you don't have time for that on Mars, you will die. Right, there is no, there is no chance of this happening or that happening or anything like that. Where you have time to be all sad and mopey and thinking about it. No, you just have problems to solve. And as the character took over the character, you just have to science the shit out of the damn thing. It was totally acceptable for me to accept this character doing what he did. Him not breaking down the way he did. He just he found a way to be relatively balanced. It made perfect sense. He as an astronaut being a relatively stable individual because they would already have those psych evaluations. 
anyway. Yeah. The film itself, uh, what the film itself prides itself on was scientific accuracy. And for what I understand, for the most part, for the most part, it was relatively accurate. It had a couple issues here or there. Um, what so, so wait, wait, so, so you picked up on those um, inaccuracies or you just... Uh... I, I, I had a couple issues with it. In my head, I knew, I, I, because again, with, with, with general science stuff, I kind of just knew general science stuff. So in my head, I was like, wait, is this plausible or that? And then I realized, and then I, I asked people who generally know, and they was like, yeah, no, this is not possible. But that was possible. And then this was a bit of a stretch, but it, it could be reasonably plausible given the time period. Because the film is, is in, 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 um, in the circles of, of kind of writing, writing circles. It's basically 20 minutes into the future. You know, the technology is there. It's a little bit in the future. You could see it happening. You could mm-hmm. see the world being in this place technologically. Um, so every one of these little problems was solved with, with I call it metamaterial solution, which is, well, scientists came up with some metamaterial to solve this problem. Um, the only issue I'll say is really the gravity of Mars solving a lot of the problems that it did. So I don't think you could grow potatoes on Mars given the gravity. And I think the soil on Mars won't allow for that to happen. Not sure. Right, but, but I, I bought it too. Because I, 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 I saw it said like... Um, for me, you couldn't read really? the um, per se. And, I, and then the second thing from what I understand is that the storm wouldn't have been as powerful given the, the thin atmosphere of Mars. From what I understand. Okay, okay. That's one of those. That's the only two things. Everything else was fine. Um, the, the book is written by Andy Weir. Um, yes, it's based off of, of, a, of a novel that came on 2011 uh, or 2010. I, yeah, one of those years. The thing is, the book, the book explains a lot of stuff, but the movie just paces it out in a good way. So, right. it just does a good job of solving all the problems on Earth. Um, they figured out what's going on. He didn't solve everything himself, and he kind of needed everybody to work together. And it was it was a bit of a NASA propaganda piece in a sense. It's it's just totally pro NASA. This is what NASA to do, and it's basically NASA give, asking the government to NASA save lives. Yay! And you know, since roughly about four years ago, NASA had its last space shuttle launch. It was about I think early 2011, if I remember correctly. And pretty much after that, we've had a lot of pro NASA stuff. And well, roughly by Pretty much like clockwork, you know. Every year we've had a film that was like a big astronaut movie. So, first, well, those probably the big one was Gravity. Yes. And Interstellar. And then The Martian. Um, I'll say The Martian is the best of the three. Um, oh, well, I, I, will, I will argue with that. But when, when is that? When is that? Yeah, no. For me, yeah, for me, The Martian is the best of the three because of the structure. I'll say Gravity didn't make... I had problems with Gravity mostly because of how implausibly the level of events were. Um... In the case of, even though Martian had a lot of coincidences as well, and I would say they weren't particularly bad coincidences because everything, was again, was explained, and then what wasn't explained was somewhat explained in the book, if I want to understand. I haven't read the book, which I regret. Um, oh. I'll say, no, I, I, I tell you what, I, I figured you wouldn't been want to read it, though. No, no, like, I keep... No, any movie was coming I out. I keep hearing about, no, no, I keep hearing about how awesome the book is, and I just never got time to read it. And then, um, um, I, I told myself, well, you know... It, at this point, I don't, really, I don't see myself um, reading it anyway, and I don't know how the book ended. I have no idea. I don't know anything about the book going into the movie, so I just wanted to just be surprised. I don't mm. know how they were going to do it. Although, you get, at no point, you really get the sense that he was going to die. I'll say that. Uh, no, no, I, I, I didn't see it. Right, yeah, but it did, I think they did an excellent job of just, just telling a good... Again, it's hope with competence, which is a good balance of telling a hopeful story. Um, much like with, with um, the walk. It's characters who are intelligent and totally capable of doing what they have to do, right? Right. Um, but at the same time, there's a lot of luck and, and, and happenstance that comes into the play. And they did a good job with that. They didn't worry about getting too dark or serious with it. 
the whole existential or we think wouldn't have made sense with the character for me because he doesn't have time for that bullshit. Full stop. And I think it would have just dragged the film yeah, down but, to like a screeching halt. Let me tell you something, eh? This whole existential morass and I'm alone and you know all of this egalin poor nonsense. That is a luxury for planet Earth. It's it's a luxurious position. When you have to, have to struggle, you just have to say, look, I just gonna solve this problem and then move on. It don't make sense lingering on our foolishness. That is something that that is, that is a culture, that is a mindset on a culture for modernity and a spoiled black culture, in my opinion, because you have the luxury to, to feel depressed essentially. That film cut to the chase and say, look, you're not gonna have to have to have that. You can't, you don't have time for that, right? And that's why I like this movie so much. Man was like, yeah, I just want to solve our problem. It's just me versus nature. Full stop. Mash it up. Yeah. And Iman just cut through that. I love that. Uh, uh, Mark Wahlberg plays Mark Watney, a uh, single astronaut lost in, uh, on Mars. He gets left back. It's totally plausible. Why? What happens? A storm plays out and he loses contact with his, um, his crew, the rest of the crew, and they have to leave him because the storm was going to be basically, it was either them or, or him alone. It's either all of them going to die or just him. And they thought he was dead. And then they do a good job with just NASA picking up weight. He might be still alive. And they just, again, the whole film is just them tech-teching and solving problems. Uh, a bunch of great um, casting as well. Uh, Chiba, tell you, for... Yeah, great actor. Um, uh, Oscar winner from uh, yeah. 12 Years of Sleep. Yeah, they do. Yeah. Um, Jeff Daniels was in it. They had um, Donald Glover, who had a great cameo in it. He had a good, good role in it. Uh, yeah, very standout characters. Yeah, also. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, who else was in this way? Michael Peña had a good role. Uh, Kate Mara was in it. Kate Mara was in it. Um, his interstellar co-actor Jessica Chastain. Uh, Jessica Chastain was in it. Yeah. Um, who was the other cameo? Oh, it had this girl. Uh, so I watched a show called Halt and Catch Fire that ended season two the other day. Um, Mackenzie Davis, she was in this. She was the communications girl who was observing what's going on in Mars. This blonde chick, kind of tall. Yeah, yeah, I remember. Right, yeah. right. she was in it. Um, so it had a great class. Almost everybody I loved in it was from television. Uh, I liked. Um, so, great cast, great musical choices. They had a lot of disco in it, that, and all the disco was thematic to what was going on. Mm-hmm. Um, they had a lot of, uh, like, David Bowie. They had, um, like, uh, who is this boy? They had some, a lot of, like, space music or, like, a lot of heat, heat stuff now. Like, just, just telling, the, just a theme of what was going on in the situation at the time. So the yeah, you're referring to the film score, so yeah, yeah great it, it score. matches what was going on. Yeah, and a great choice of editing with respect to what's going on. Um, they made a good job with it. I thought, I thought, I just, I just, I, I, just, I just preemptively attacking anyone who, you know, hated the film or didn't like the film because well, they needed to have him. Well, he's this guy alone, and he need to, they need to show a character of his, have him being all depressed or going mad or something like that. And I hate that shit. I get, I'm so tired of that bullshit, frankly. Uh, so for me. Yeah, I give this a pretty good rating. I really love this film personally, and it is one of the best of the year. If not the best, it's most likely going to be for me personally. Um, I give this one a high I max I, uh, Matthew. That's my rating for this. High I, right. it's totally worth your money. Um, it totally was paced very well. Love this movie. One of the best films of the year personally. Um, and I, yeah, just so glad to see everybody come on point. Everybody was on the same page with respect to making this film. So the film just flowed. Everything felt competent. Everything was brilliant, and it was just a great nerd film. That's for nerds. Enjoy your stuff. Right. Well, um, most of the stuff that uh, well, you, you mentioned, most of the stuff that, that I actually agree with, um, I also love the film as well. What, what I like as well, too, with, with the movie, how oh, you mentioned the stuff, 
is that yes they, they do take time and this is a very very cool little technical exposition technique that they use throughout the film where characters would more or less explain how they're going to solve this problem and he's it starts off with him kind of like talking to himself about well i'm in this situation this is why because of the storm i was left back yeah. i got hurt but i'm alive now i'm going to solve this situation and then he would keep he, he, he continues this throughout the film but also what he does he talks about all right we have this situation here like the uh, potatoes for example or how am i going to grow food to begin with what can i grow so he's explaining these things to us to the audience and we have to go over it because I mean this is his journey. So um, he wants to survive, but he knows he has to uh, kind of hold up. Yeah, no, you know? that's what I loved about yeah. it because it wasn't stupid. It doesn't, it doesn't feel stupid in the sense of this. You know, you have a lot of blind optimism stuff and just pure hope. Like I'll say, gravity was kind of like that. Gravity had no. I would, I would argue. Yeah, I would agree. Yes. Yeah, gravity had no point at getting sent because the girl, the, the whole point of it is that she wasn't competent at all. And on top of that, they tried to put in this kind of supernatural aspect of the thing going on with her. And she changed in her opinion and so on. So it's like, not a, the problem with it is that because of how unrealistic gravity was, um, it didn't work for me at all. Nothing about it made sense in that way. Um, it was it visually was compelling and blah blah blah. But but I, but I would argue though it, it had more tension. This was like my little little, nit, little nitpicking here uh, doing here with with Martian is that I, I felt that it could have been could have had a bit more tension to it. No, that, that's the thing, right. That's the thing, because the only part of the Martian I thought had some workable tension is when they, when they sent up the rocket, that was the supply run, and it exploded and it failed because they had to cut corners. And the whole point was just to have a scenario where competent people could come and help. So then, right when they did that, I was like, oh, well, it actually has some tension. And then, immediately after, they, they cut to the Chinese and they say, well, the Chinese is going to help out um, the Americans with this one. Because if yeah. the story would happen to Mark Watney. And I was like, I, that was immediately awesome for me because it's like, oh great, another piece of hope and, and upbeat moment that immediately solved the problem essentially. Again, that's plausible. It didn't mm -hmm. feel. It was. And it, again, it didn't feel like, well, the Chinese just come out of the blue to solve the problem or anything like that. No, it makes perfect sense from a geopolitical standpoint. The Chinese want to look good politically. You know, they probably don't have the same tech mark um, that the Americans have. And you see, they, they, they kind of cut it in the end of the film because you saw a Chinese astronaut on board in the next Mars mission. Right? Yeah. I thought that was pretty awesome. So again, it made sense from that standpoint. Yeah, there's a certain cynicism going on there. But at the same time, it's like in the end of the day, it's just how to save this man's life. Um, and that's what I loved about it. It was right. it, it worked in that way. Now it's like, well, just how to solve problems, guys. You know, that's it. There's no big sacrifice or anything like that. They had a couple douchebaggy characters, mostly in the form of their Jeff Daniels, of saying, well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The one who just wanted to keep things a secret. Right. They didn't want the public to know that. Yeah. They left one of their own on Mars. Right, so, and that's the whole thing. They just made, made it spin and say, look, you don't have to hide these things. If the truth comes out, it comes out and we can make it work. You know, think, yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. and show people show people that, that you are trying to solve the problem. Yeah. You're not just walking away from it. Right, and that's that why the film worked for me. It, was just, it just played itself out really, really um, excellently in that way. Um, well, but there's another thing, um, well, another little piece of nitpicking. Um, the length of it. It's pretty long. It does feel pretty long, especially when you turn that. Well, for one, I understand it was, it was, it felt like it, some parts felt rushed, but at no point I, I got the sense of it felt long or lingering to me. I didn't feel slow long at all. If you want to nitpick it and and say, all right, well, this character was incompetent or that was incompetent, um, some of the things was was possible. Some of the things was a little bit of a stretch. I'll say only the issue was the Martian soil and then the sandstorm, and most of these problems really come up because Mars's gravity is a lot less than that of Earth's, and therefore. Those things won't affect the situation as the way they say it did. Um, that's your only issue. 
I don't know that that didn't break the movie for me at all. Um, it still worked. Um, I, in my opinion, better than Gravity, better than Interstellar because Interstellar floundered because of the main problem in the narrative. Um, and Interstellar just decided to show on in this pseudo spiritual thing, which they could have done a lot better. And um, show didn't start when I had my Interstellar review. I could give you a big detail why Interstellar didn't work in its way and why I liked it still. But I, I am not even going to go into that argument though. I mean, I I, I love Interstellar for what it is. Um, I, logically, it it kind of makes sense, I'll, but you know. No, my quick, my quick, just quick two second review of Interstellar is that it just needed one or two script rewrites to solve the problem. Um, and it, I, I would agree. I would agree. And it didn't, especially ended. And yeah. I had a problem with that. And it just felt like why you put this in it. You decide to put spiritual stuff, but you already had that to be aesthetic. Like your song design and all that stuff is there. Don't need to do that with the actual narrative itself. Whatever. Um, this movie is, again, you know, I give this a very high score. I really, really liked it. Um, what's your rating, Matt? Um, well, that's why I mentioned a few other things before before I give my rating. Yeah. Um, I also love the, the cinematography as well, too. Yeah. Uh, the music as well is fine. Um, well, nice it wasn't like this sort of orchestral sort of mix like what you would find in like gravity or um, or interstellar yeah. but it was more like a sort of contemporary i would say more techie kind of music as well yeah mixed in and yes the disco songs from the 70s that you mentioned as well too at first i was like maybe they're throwing this into kind of make the awareness laugh but, I think it, but the music the music by that point in the time of the series that the show would be at least about 80 to 100 years old because it seemed to be about, I don't know how far in the future it is, but it's like, what, uh, 20 years from now? I didn't even notice that. I just thought it was just contemporary. It felt contemporary. Right. I don't know. It's like 20 or 30 years from now. So that is like, what, this goes like, what, 40 years ago? So about 70 years or so? Um, so just try to think of how they would think about that now. It, yeah. The time and what music would feel like. Like, how we think about disco would be different how they think about disco. In terms of, like, the cycle and which character. Because you notice Jessica Chaskin's character is the one who liked it. Mm-hmm. The movie had a lot of humor as well, but it was just kind of... Yes, yes, yes. yes. Surprisingly, a lot yeah, of, of humor. Of corny, keep myself sane kind of humor. Yeah, but not too much to lose the point of the film. It was still a drama, primarily a sci-fi drama, but it had these moments of humor where right. you need to lighten the load, lighten the tension off. Yeah, would. but again, it made sense in terms of this is how you would sort out the problem with respect to your mental health and how to keep yourself sane. Um, you wouldn't be morose. You would say, all right, let me just tell jokes or be funny about it. That kind of thing now. So to me, I saw it as a kind of coping mechanism in that way. If you want to treat, if you want to get into the psychological aspects of it, which I thought was totally unnecessary, and I'm glad they left that out of the film and, and the book as well. Yeah. Just that that aspect of it. So. Right. And, and one other thing I have to mention too, script. Uh, well, I, I would I would argue this with uh, with his recent films, with really Scott's recent films. Yeah. Once you give him a great script, he'll make a great movie. Yeah. If you give him a bad script, he'll make a not so great movie. I saw that before with Exodus, Gods and Kings. Yeah. You'll argue with uh, the show um, Prometheus. I haven't seen Council, but I heard bad things about that. Yeah, but I didn't. This know. one, I yeah, but this one um, screenplay done by Drew Goddard. Yes. Yeah, he was the guy who directed. Um, he he did some TV. He wrote like for shows like Buffy Vampire Slayer, Angel, stuff like that. Yeah. I think he did for Lost as well too. Yeah. And he also directed um, Cabin in the Woods, which right. I actually like, but some people did. It's a great, yeah. great uh, deconstruction of the horror movie. And uh, that's, why, that's why this one worked, because they, he, you could really tell he understood the material and how to transform a, a book into a, a good screenplay and make it work. 
Uh, yeah, I mean, it's something that we could we could understand even if we don't know yeah, everything that's, about that's, action. That's yeah. the thing is not only not only the film was about competence, but it was also a very competent film. Everybody was on board in terms of like what to do, editing, proof. Everybody was on the same page. Yeah, yeah. So long story short, um, cinematography was great. Was sorry, spectacular. Mm-hmm. You need to see this on big screen. Literally, the Mars never looked any greater. Um, yeah. Really, Scott's direction was on point as usual. I mean, even with a bad script, he, he, he could bring out, like, you know, great direction. So this is another great one in terms of uh, of really Scott films. Um, writing is great. Uh, acting is great as well, too. Uh, Matt Demon. I, I see a little Oscar nomination in the works. It could happen. Yeah. I, I, would like, I would like to say, I would, I, would love this, I would love it if this movie actually gets nominated for at least one award, yeah, you know? Yeah, yeah. yeah something. But um, overall, for me, I would give it a strong... Four out of five stars. See this movie as soon as you can. Yeah. Great movie. You need to check it out. Yeah. Yeah. So that was just pretty much it. Um. Uh. What else? What else we have to do? I uh, our review of the Marshal. Yeah. And Sicario and uh, the Walk. Yeah. That's our. We. What's the next set of movies that's coming up? A bunch of great movies coming up. Alright, uh, there's a bunch of spies coming out. That's his latest uh, Spielberg movie. We're gonna talk about with Tom Hanks. Because I, I want to talk about the relationship between Bridge of Spies and a uh, film like say Munich and how you know Spielberg handles serious material. Yeah, I need to see Munich as well. I have to watch Munich before I watch Bridge of Spies. So that's really my favorite of his. I thought it, it did a really good job of telling that relationship and that story and how he does it. Um, what else coming up? Uh, let's see what else there is. There's Crimson Peak yes. from Guillermo del Toro. Uh, yeah, I might be skipping that, but we'll see. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm a del Toro fan. Everything he does is like gold to me, so <laughs> who knows? This, this one might be maybe the next um, Pants Labyrinth. I doubt it, but we'll see. After taking some a couple of like movies I missed for the year. Um, I've, Same here too. I've not seen, I've seen Dope recently, which... I need to watch too. Yeah, I've seen Dope recently. I finally got the chance to see that. Um, I wanted to see a movie from the early in the year. That's um, Last Days of the Desert. And gotcha. Never heard of that. Uh, that's a that's a what? What type of film is that? It's about Jesus essentially. Um, but it's it's um, this guy Ewan McGregor playing Jesus, but he's also apparently playing Satan in the Forty Days in the Desert thing. So they're doing a kind of kind of schizophrenic kind of something with it. So I have to see what they do it, do with it, if it's good or not. Um, TIFF played out the other day, so I think um, Anomalisa thing came out. That is um, Charlie Kaufman. We will get a chance to see that soon. Uh, uh, oh yes, and we, we, we forget Inspector. Inspector's going to be the next month. I know so far not that many people like any new song, the new team song that came out right in Sonic Wall, that's the name of it, from Sam Smith. Um, but but when the film comes up, because I have to hear the film in the context of how the film plays up. So I will, well, in our future review, hopefully if we get the chance to do it, future review of Spectre, I'll talk about the song and if it would for the film or right. not. Yeah. Another film I'm pretty excited about is um, a movie called Hardcore. That's this kind of first person kind of thing, like a video game kind of thing. They did a, I remember they did a movie about it a couple of years back when the movie's finished. It was also in uh, TIFF. Um, and I heard it's it's pretty good in terms of the action and in terms of that greatness. So it's an action flick or is a sci-fi. It's action? a sci-fi action actually, but the, the whole point of it is it's told from the first-person point of view. Again, two years ago they, they had a little demo with it on the internet. It was really popular. It kind of it went viral for a while, so they decided to make a full movie out of it. That it's finally finished, and it's very okay. So uh, I'm gonna see that as well. They have a bunch of sounds, sounds good, yeah. A bunch of movies I want to see. I think Xavier Dolan, which is one of my favorite young directors, coming up. He has a couple of films out. Um, 
a bunch of films I have to see and put on my list. Uh, a great documentary I watched a couple uh, the other day, which is The Wolf Pack, um, which is about is about a documentary about film film buffs and their lives. It's a bunch of kids who love film, but their lives suck, and it's them. <laughs> and I'll explain why. It's a really good documentary. And then um, a film I also saw recently, which is me, um, Earl and the Dying Girl. Yes, I've heard of that. I, I, I that's, yes, that's one I need to check out as well. Homage, film homage movie, um, which I really liked as well. It was a little, little, little saccharine and a little silly at times, but it worked for the most part. Uh, mostly because of the film stuff. Uh, All right. Uh, that is pretty much it. So it just kind of hit those buttons for me. Uh, yeah. What a, so, so I think I think yeah so 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 yeah so um I mean we uh, well I don't want to say we we um years almost up but yeah there's there's another good stuff that we need to check out yeah. um from early this year or in middle year or even coming up as well too right um you wanted I mentioned theatrical releases some that um, unfortunately didn't come down to Trinidad for some stupid reason right. but um yeah we make sure to check them out and if we do do like an individual review of them. If they manage to make it to our top ten list, because we need to do our top ten counter as well too, right, Ricardo? We have to do it. Yeah. So I've, I've, it, it, we should mention. I've been building my list and for it so far. Same here, same here. I've been doing that but, as well okay, too. Okay, so just just a quick preview of how I build my list. I have like three types of movies that are rank on their on their own merits. So it's really like small independent films, then small studio films, and then big studio films. That is like the two categories of types of films. And yeah. If these films kind of transcend the quality of these different, the varying versions or categories, then I'll build my full list on that. But really, I have three top ten lists I operate on. Um, so it's really two films in total. What I kind of do is that I just kind of weave all three of them into into like a standout film, and it'll really be a ranking per se. Um, but it's just these are the top ten films, not necessarily the top ten best or in a proper ranking. Just these are the films that you should really look look out for. Or talk about it. Just I just slap slap out a listen sense now. Not rank. All right. Pussy. All right. Well, in my case is a little ranting. It's kind of like well, right. these are the stuff that stood out to me. This one stood out a bit more than the other one, so I might put the one that stood out less, probably in the back like seven or eight. But the ones that stood out to me the most would be from five to one. You know. Yeah. All right. Matthew, thanks for this episode. Uh, thanks for you to come through. Thanks everyone for listening. Uh, yeah. Again, you could contact me at rmedi at our M-E-D-D-Y on Twitter, and then you could contact me on Facebook. I'm the 766 most important Ricardo Medina on Facebook. No, he's not. <laughs> What's that? I say no, he's not. Yeah. And, <laughs> and Matteo, how people can get on to you, boy? On Twitter, there's Legally Black MGB. Mm. On Facebook, there's Matthew Bailey, and there's also Illegally Black blog, our official fan page. And if you go on Google, you can type in legallyblack.wordpress.com. That's where you'll see the links to the podcast that we did before, as well as my reviews as well. Yeah. Well, that's it, boy. Uh, this was a good episode. I really like all three films. Um, they worked in their own ways. Uh, yeah. Uh, um, totally enjoyed Martian. We yeah. might check it out again. Uh, Walk, I need to see that. Sicario, I need to see that as well, too, just based off of what you told me. Yeah, I recommend it. Uh, yeah. That's it. Yeah, so Matthew, we'll see you next time. Um, guys, thank you for listening so much. Thank you, everyone. Good night, good morning, good evening, whenever you're listening to this. And bye-bye. I'll see you later. All right. Take care. Till next time. Yeah.
Jurassic, super bad, who am I, Dolomite classic, the van who's back, hands on Angela Bassett, I hand through my plastic, gonna play a master, no coke, dope, mixed down with acid, on record, broken down and crafted in seconds, ladies choice, the golden boy still peppered, better respect it, bitch believe, I pull rappers out the hat, tricks up my sleeves, I air out the showroom for shit to breathe, fix your weave, you know my expertise, I've got my Uzi back, I got my Uzi back, you do this whack face at the pool. 